Yeah, it's a, we have so much fun uh, with this podcast that we've been doing now in our 20th year of it. Um, wow. And, and certain characters show up again and again over the years, and how, we're going to be talking to one of them now. Yeah. <laughs> Nancy Wexelbaum is uh, the, the um, gracious gourmet. Um, and we followed her for years. I don't know. When did you start the Gracious Gourmet? Oh, my gosh, 2006. I think we met in 2007. I'm dating both of us. I know. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> Longevity oh is good. Yes, so, indeed. But, I agree with you. When All of your products are wonderful. In fact, I was wondering um, how you could... Uh, say one is more wonderful than the next because they're all so good i mean I don't, whatever you do you do it the best and i love it uh, well, so but every time kind. i say thank you well i say what's new and and you give me you know like <laughs> a, a four-page summary of, of the latest <laughs> efforts <laughs> i like to you, cook <laughs> yeah you, you move around a lot here um but we <laughs> We we just have loved all of your products for all these years, and and as I said, there's always something new. And, and this time we're talking, you have a new private label, you have many well, new have... products. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. And, I'm so sorry. And and and, and you news to the company because you're always evolving. You don't sit still, Nancy. <laughs> so what do you want to tell us about said that to me <laughs> yeah um well the exciting news and i'm hoping by the beginning of um 2024 we are launching a product called hot squeeze and hot called squeeze, what hot squeeze so it's a I double didn't... entendre you know there is uh, there are um, couples and they say their significant other, spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend is their hot squeeze. Well, hot squeeze is also a unique sauce that you can put on anything. It's the consistency I would suggest of maple syrup and it's going to be available in a squeeze bottle. It is spicy, it is sweet, and it's smoky and it has various nuances of flavor. And believe it or not, it can go on anything. It can go on pancakes. It can go on hummus. It can go on cheese. It can go on ice cream. It can go on a pork roast. It can go on chicken. It can go on shrimp. You know, these, can, I just, can, um, I just spice, can I just spice it out of the jar? <laughs> Pardon me? You could. You could squirt it into your mouth because it's in a squeeze bottle. <laughs> Well, well, if you're taking some kind of medicine you don't you, that is is um, terrible to taste, you can mix a little hot squeeze in with it. But I'm not going to verify <laughs> that the hot squeeze won't change the chemistry of the medicine. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, but what, are you doing this as part of Grace's Gourmet, or are you doing it as? Um, a, uh, well, we're introducing this as a separate brand. Um, It's not hot squeezed by the Gracious Gourmet. It is um, basically um, hot squeeze. And um, we, I'm very proud and excited about this. I've been working on it for a long time. And um, I think it's going to be an exciting product. Once, um, as I say, it's very different than the Gracious Gourmet products because it is... um, I'm going to make myself a note. Um, I'm going to send you both a bottle. Um, you have. It's a, um, as I say, it's something that has a unique umami flavor and really can be used with so many different things. And, you know, that's its beauty. And we're going to have on the label, which I think is really exciting, we are going to have some suggested uses. They're all going to be illustrated. And we're oh, also going to have a QR code that will bring you to the website for Hot Squeeze. 
and will allow you to see at least 30, 31 different uses. So it's, oh, wow. um, it's very well, much. Now, I mean, you can put it on corn on the cob. You can put it on noodles. <laughs> That's <laughs> my kind of thing. I've, I've one thing that I can put it on everything. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Now, um, is this the, 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 what you were telling me about as a collaboration, or is this um, a different thing? This is um, this is a product that um, actually a friend of mine had um, introduced, developed as she was a caterer and developed it many years ago in. Um, in a, she's from Atlanta, and after being in the food business for about three or four years, she decided this wasn't for her, and she decided not to continue selling it, and she went off to do something else. And I called her and I said, um, I'd love to buy the rights to the product and the name from you. And she said, go ahead. And that's what <laughs> I did. And um, so I'm, I'm planning to add a, a very spicy version. And we're um, planning to add a couple of other versions. We're going to add some um, dry spice blends to this. Oh, so it's really? going to be quite an exciting brand onto itself. And Hot Squeeze, when she was selling it, had quite a big following. So we're hoping that um, people are going to like what we're reintroducing. We'll see. I hope so. Well, um, it sounds very exciting. You get to do a whole different rollout, a whole different design, all kinds of new stuff, huh? Will that be? It's not going to be ready for the winter fancy food show, I'm assuming. Yes, it will. But I'm not going to be exhibiting at the Winter Fancy Food Show. Maybe we'll put it in the What's New, What's Hot section, even though uh-huh. we're not going to be there. I'll see if I can do that. That's actually quite a good idea. But um, we're not going to... Um, it's something that... We're going to have it at the Summer Fancy Food Show and sort of have a, um, if I can say it to you like this, a soft opening and, um, you know, make sure that, you know, it works for the, um, we're trying to um, place it with a lot of the existing um, customers who used to carry it, who keep asking, when are you going to bring it back? Really? So we'll see. Well, that sounds very you know. exciting. So, um, I mean, you, you keep introducing new lines, but you're now actually building a, a Another company, huh? Well, um, it's you know it's under the umbrella of the Gracious Gourmet, but it does it is its own name because it's a very different product. Where the Gracious Gourmet has jams and jellies and tapenades and fruit spreads and pestos and very particulated products that you really use for entertaining or you use to enhance dinners or whatever, this is something you can squirt onto popcorn, you know, bring it with you to the movies and squirt it on popcorn. You know, you can do, I mean, there's so many different ways and it's, it's a, you know, it's a younger audience. It's for, um, it's not a hot sauce. Some people say, oh, you're introducing a hot sauce. I want to make it clear that's not a hot sauce. It's not a hot sauce. But it well, there a, a, a gazillion hot sauces on the market now. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when it was like unusual to have a line of hot sauces, and now it's hard to have a company, a food, especially a food company, without having hot sauces. A hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Can I get a sense? Totally. Can I, can I, can I get a word in? Yes, please. Yes. Uh, what is it? What does it go? With? Do you, Do you? Do you spoon it watching a football game or a baseball game? I'm sorry. Do I do what with it? Do, do you do you take it with you to a football game or a baseball game? Absolutely. Or? Absolutely. As I say, you can put it on popcorn. Say you have an ice cream cone that you oh, get at the 
You can squeeze it on a little vanilla ice cream or chocolate You're ice kidding. cream, actually. I can't even picture no, this. No, I'm, I'm quite serious. So, you can't um, tell us what it consists of, I'm sure. I can tell you the ingredient, you know, some of the ingredients. It's in, um, it has orange juice and vinegar and sugar and soy sauce and chipotle peppers. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so, but, I mean, there is a little heat involved there then. Pardon me? There's a little heat involved. Yes, there is a little heat involved, definitely. <laughs> now, so, um, anyway, it's, um, I'm excited about it. Well, it sounds exciting. I mean, it, it, yeah, and, and you you have a, kind of a, a restless mind, so I, mean, I really think you're probably welcome I do. having something new. I know. I do. So I is do. that, is this, I got some sort of um, PR release about a, a new private label. Is that what this is? Well, it's not a private label because a private label is if, if you came to me with on the menu cheese shop and you said I want to do a label that says on the menu nothing related to gracious the gracious gourmet but I want um I want you to um to put my label on it but it's your product that's what private label is if you're taking my products this is a completely new product that I've developed with the name that I'm using for it. It's my name. Okay. Well, I think, I guess the the, the press release I got um, was talking more about um, new products that you were introducing, two spreads and one tapenade. Okay. And I will, okay. I can yeah. tell you about those. Um, okay. We just introduced what we call a smoky eggplant tapenade. It's very and, good. I tasted that oh, already. Thank you. Thank you very much. And um, that's based on really a Mediterranean kind of feel. And yeah. we're also, um, it has, besides the eggplant, it has a little um, tomato in it and garlic and onions and everything you'd find in Mediterranean cooking, be it Turkish cooking or Greek or, um, you know, Italian or you know, Croatian or, you know, anything, you know, Spanish, you know, where all of these, you know, wonderful fresh ingredients are highlighted all the time. So that, um, so that's the smoky eggplant. And then we have um, two new fruit products that are quite simple. One is called a strawberry garden spread. And this is absolutely fabulous. It tastes like you're strawberries right out of the garden and you put them in a jar and this well, Peter's is, been eating that are you using oh. a spoon on that too rabbit yeah I, 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 finished, well, I finished off the, I finished off the other one the uh, oh, did you, the did you like Peter did the you like the, the did you like the strawberry really I like the strawberry I, I think I like the sour cherry the best but uh, we got a lot of good comments at the show and the PLMA and the um, – I'll get to the cherry in just one moment, but I okay. just wanted to say that the, um, that the um, strawberry garden tomato is, tastes so fresh and vibrant, and it's because we use a little balsamic vinegar in the, I'm not giving away oh, a on the ingredient list, but it really helps to enhance the flavor of the um, of the strawberries. We also have a our tart cherry spread, which is very simple, but it really highlights the wonderful sour cherries. And um, there's some sugar in that, and a little lemon juice and a very, very strong cherry flavor because that's what it's all about. Yeah, well, I still, I, I still remember, sweetheart, and you, may, you probably remember this too. We were, we were in Melbourne, Australia, 
and we were having lunch at the Paul Bocuse restaurant, which then occupied part of a chain grocery store near the, near the Victoria jail of the state of Victoria. Oh, really? Oh, and and, and, and they, 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 were, they were making a sour cherry sauce for the first time because sour really? cherry appeared in Australia. They're, they're not native. They're, of course, they're native to... I didn't Michigan know that sour like cherries... Sour cherries are not native to Australia? They, they might... They might, they might be now, but they were not then. Yeah, how interesting! It was, it was novel then. I'm t- talking about the fact that this was, this was the, we don't, was it, was it the year we were there covering the Olympics, dining for the Sydney Olympics, or was it I later? I don't remember. I don't remember. Some, was something, was something like that. Yeah. Anyway, well, sour cherries. They come from where? I mean, I think Washington the sour State. Sour cherries. Is- it's it's I mean you can a lot are grown in Michigan. Michigan is yeah, from Peninsula. Yeah. Yes, and there's also I mean cherries are also grown quite heavily in Europe. And Turkey is a huge cherry producer. And yeah, well, I mean, Italy, they, sure. Eastern Europe because that's where they started doing the maraschino cherries. Correct. And there's an yeah. um, interesting brand. It's out of Italy, actually. I think it's called Lusardo. It's That's the cherry, and that's the original Maraschino cherry. Quite yeah, which different. is nothing like what these plastic things people I eat. Know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> 100%. I agree with you. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, they're awful. I can't imagine how anybody got talked into them. And, Eating those. <laughs> I don't think they're things. real cherries. <laughs> I, I, I don't think they are. I mean, I think that I was not wholly joking when I said they were plastic. <laughs> it, it, for sure. But our cherries are, um, you know, the authentic sour cherry um, in the Morello range. And they are, um, you know, we had a lot of very favorable comments on um, that I was quite proud of the of the response there well you, you've built such a, a huge following uh, I mean you, I don't I don't know how you keep up with it and still keep coming up with new ideas well <laughs> I love to cook and I love to eat and um, it um, you know it makes it fun it makes it fun. And, you know, I have friends who love to comment. My boyfriend loves to comment on um, things and gives me ideas. Um, I have, um, you know, so many people, you know, from all different walks of my life who um, who were excited to share ideas. And it's fun to incorporate their ideas. So... Yeah, people, you know, actually, um, I went to a phase where I thought to myself, surely there must be somebody who wants to talk to me about something besides food, but that's all anybody ever talked to me about. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then too. I realized it wasn't just me. It's that that's what everybody else cares about. <laughs> <laughs> and you're absolutely correct. But I want to share with you both before we end this conversation um, another collaboration that I'm quite excited about. There's an absolutely fascinating lady who lives in Washington, D.C. Her name is Angel Gregorio. She is oh, great name. She started a company. She was an assistant principal and decided she wanted to do something else. And she passed an empty storefront in Washington, D.C., and said, hmm, I can open a spice shop. And um, she opened a spice shop, and she has since moved to a much larger quarter. And she works with the Gracious Gourmet, works with me on some products for her range. And I went down to Washington in July, this past July, we had an opportunity to meet, and she's quite jazzy, and 
<laughs> we, we talked together, and she said, Nancy, why don't we come out with a collaborative project and we could co-brand? And I said, what a fabulous idea. So we've come out with three products. They're not marinades. We originally thought we were going to have marinades, but they're not. They are more like thin paste, if I can say it like that, that you can rub on chicken, you can rub on roast, you could add to a vinaigrette, you can mix them to a pasta sauce. I mean, 8,000 different things to do with them. Three very uniquely flavored international um, international flavors. One is based on some Southeast Asian, one is based on some Indian, and one is based on some Caribbean cuisine. Wow. And Angel and I, you have to look for these. We're going to officially introduce them at the Fancy Food Show. We'll introduce Hot Squeeze as well in um, June. But we're going to do some soft introductions um, this win- you know, late winter, early spring. And it's and going to be a called? completely different label. Uh, we, well, we're calling it the Gracious Gourmet and the Spice Sweet. If you go on Instagram, look up the, you have to use the, Spice Sweet, and you'll see Angel's, um, you'll see a lot of information about Angel's business, and you'll see what a brilliant woman she is. I mean, I have a lot of admiration for her. So this is something I'm very proud to collaborate together um, and this is what we're going to be developing. Oh, boy. <laughs> you have your hands full. I mean, you really do. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> well, don't, don't, don't forget we're available to taste test. Okay. I will remember that and for sure. I always like feedback. Believe me. Um, you know, I, I don't... Um, I don't... Um, What's, I can't think of the word I'm looking for. I, you know, you have to get a lot of everybody's comments. Some people like red, some people like blue, and some people yeah, like yeah, blue. Yeah. And that's what makes the world go wrong. Right. So, but the union is such a basis. <laughs> you wouldn't be in existence for this long and getting that big <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> and, and adding variety. I mean, just, it's just amazing. Well, well we're I have fun doing it too. So yeah, <laughs> that's, that's great. Um, so, any other thing you need to tell us about your company? Um, we're I talking about the gracious gourmet. Hmm. I think um, we've covered everything. I um, I can't think of anything right now. Well, go back. I mean, go back to plenty. work. <laughs> Sorry. Have to go. Time to go. Time to go back to work. Yes, indeed. <laughs> well, this has been so wonderful speaking to you both. It's always a yeah. pleasure. And well, I, I mean, I look forward to it. Support. Well, please really send me a um, when you finally get everything edited and organized. Um, please um, send me a link, and we'll put it on, you know, our various social media, and send a post okay. out about it. And you know, give both of you some more publicity as yeah. well. Be our I, I invariably post on on social media, and then um, I try to uh, post individually to the people, the, the interviewees, so that everybody mm-hmm. can can jump on the bandwagon and and uh, listen. So um, it's it's it makes a difference. I mean, there are ups and downs pros and cons of social media, but I can tell you it it makes a difference in numbers, really. Yes, it it certainly does. And any, um, you know, any thoughts you have for us, they're always very welcome. Well, I like to keep in touch and if somebody sends me um, any kind of press release, I reply. (laughs) Well, Anyhow, I, uh, you're I one really of my favorite people, Nancy, and yeah. and your product is tops on our list, right, Rabbit? Well, that is so yes, nice indeed. of you to say on a hundred different levels, and I just want to say let's continue. 
the friendship. And um, in the meantime, I just want to wish you both a happy and joyous holiday season. And great right, thanks. and you Thank too. You yes. Thank you very much. And onward to 2024. Right. Oh, yes. Got it. Nancy Waxelbaum, thank you. And it's the gracious gourmet we're talking about. And all their many offshoots. expect expansion (laughs) well thank you and thank you Peter and we'll talk to you all the very best thank you bye 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 podcasting services for on the menu radio are provided by ASP station www.aspstation.net Oh, listeners, we're going to have fun today. We're going to be talking to Carrie Jones and John McCarthy uh, about their book, Every Cocktail Has a Twist. And this is more fun, (laughs) Carrie and John. Um, I really thoroughly enjoyed uh, leafing through it, and Peter has all kinds of ideas about it. Um, There's a lot I didn't know about cocktails, I must say. The first thing I really want to ask is... We're glad to be able to fill some stuff in for you. My my first question is, what did you leave out? (laughs) (laughs) If it was there, I couldn't find it. (laughs) It's thorough, he's saying. I mean, it is thorough. Um, uh, Yeah, we really wanted to um, just really cover the ground of classic cocktails. everything from martinis in Manhattan, things that are traditionally considered classics, but also more current drinks that people just love making, like the Aperol Spritz and Espresso Martinis. So, you know, we want there to be something for everyone, so we're glad, that, um, we're glad that's the case. Well, let's, let's, begin, let's begin at the very beginning, just, uh, <laughs> just, just, uh, just so people have, a, have an idea what, what, what they're going to be able to know when they buy your book. And the first area is, is called the basics. What are the basics? In, in, in this chapter in the book, you include things that I would never have even thought of. <laughs> and, yet, and, yet, and yet you thought of them, and by implication, if, if I wasn't doing all these other things, I was probably making lousy cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily lousy cocktails, um, but we do think that there's, there's just a big difference between um, the average drinks that people make at home and what they can do just with a few tips and tricks and the essential equipment. So we really wanted to go over just um, the simple tools you should have at home, for example. It's just like baking. You wouldn't try to um, bake cookies without a tablespoon set or an oven set to the correct temperature. And so similarly, once you really establish the basics of home bartending, your cocktails will just become so much better. Now, now here, so here, here are a couple of things out of, out of this particular chapter. One is called stirring a drink. Now, <laughs> you might say, well, why, why, why did I feel it necessary to tell someone how to stir a drink? But, but, but yet you explain why. Who would like to explain why? Well, the reason you're stirring a drink um, is to add not just chill the drink, but you're adding water to the drink. We call it ice melt. Typically, a properly stirred drink will have an ounce of water added to it while, while you're stirring. So you have to stir about 15 seconds. Um, that will chill the drink and it will um, add this ice melt. And one of the things that we like to tell people between stirring and shaking is if you think about it in cooking, um, when you're shaking, you're using a whisk, and you're whisking it, and you're aerating it. When you're stirring, it's more like you're folding in one ingredient into the other. Yeah. So stirring is what, stirring is what you should do. No, they're for different variables. It's a rule of thumb. Cocktail. Yeah, a rule of thumb is if it has citrus in it, usually you're going to shake it. If there's no citrus juice in it, if it's just um, 
alcohol and um, uh, cordials and other liqueurs, then you're going to stir it. Okay. For instance, so we- you would stir a martini. You wouldn't shake it regardless of what James Bond said. <laughs> I was going to say you, you answered the question that everybody asked, shake well, it or stir it. <laughs> No, that was that was that was going to be that was going to be my next question, but the, the question after that says muddling. It doesn't sound doesn't sound very interesting. In fact, it sounds like quite the opposite. But but yet it's <laughs> fundamental. But but yet it's fundamental to having the cocktail that you specify all the ingredients, having it come out right. Absolutely, and it it does sound like a bit of a muddle. That's true. It's not necessarily the most appealing term. Um, It's it's a bad choice of terms, but it's standard. (laughs) It's classic. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Um, But the tool is called a muddler, so that's (laughs) that's where we are. And muddling is essentially just breaking up an ingredient, Um, and you'll use it often with herbs or an ingredient like ginger or a fruit. Um, and essentially what you're doing is kind of making a bit of juice right in your cocktail shaker. If you think about smashing up a strawberry, um, you're, you're letting a lot of the juice out so that when you then shake the cocktail, you're really getting that flavor into the cocktail. Um, there are many ingredients where um, running them through a juicer isn't the best option, um, but using a muddler is. Okay. You know, I, I think we forgot to actually give our listeners – um, why you are viewed as experts on this? What are your respective backgrounds in cocktails? Uh, well, we've been uh, teaming up on cocktail writing for about 10 years, um, but professionally, <laughs> I'm a food and drink writer generally. Um, I've been in that field for over 15 years, um, writing about food, spirits, wine, and all of that. And then uh, John is the bartender half of the equation. Right. Um, I have to refer to myself as a mixologist, but essentially I'm the bartender. And I <laughs> and bar programs and worked with brands on recipe development uh, for, for quite a while now. Yeah, I just wonder when they introduced that term. I remember when they introduced it, mixologist. It just sounded so uppity. It seemed very odd to me. But, but, but John, you, you, you are an actual working... Oh, yeah. Yes, I've been um, – currently I am writing right now, um, but uh, uh, pre-pandemic I was always behind the bar. Okay, okay now let, let, so let's go on to the next question. Know what to – oh, no, I'm not missing this one out. Invest in the right bottles. Who, who, would, who would like to explain why you suggest that's not a good idea? I mean, it is a good idea. And the sure, I think not that, a good idea. <laughs> I think that often when people are just learning to make drinks at home, there's the tendency to want to go out and buy one of everything, buy a bottle of vodka, a bottle of gin, tequila, yeah. almost as if you're sort of setting up a, a catering bar in your own home, um, which is fine, but it's, it's an easy way to spend a lot of money on yeah. ingredients you might not necessarily use. So the approach we recommend is to start with a drink you know you like. Um, If you're a Manhattan drinker, you can invest in a great rye or bourbon and a good sweet vermouth. If uh, margaritas are more your speed, uh, then a good tequila and perhaps an orange liqueur. But if you start building your collection with um, the ingredients for drinks you know you like, it'll kind of evolve organically from there um, and just be more suited to your own taste. Did, you know, I just, did you read, I don't even remember where the auction was, that a, a bottle of whiskey went for $3 million? Yes, it was a uh, Macallan that was bottled after 60 years of aging exactly. in 1986. So, so well, what have you got that, as you spent $3 million on it, and it turned out to be awful? <laughs> well, I wouldn't open it. But you wouldn't open it at all? Never. <laughs> no. Well, that's like your chicken story, Rabbit. Be worth a million anymore. Rabbit, this is like your three-legged chicken story. It was uh-huh. ran to the fast, but it was for running and not cooking, right? 
<laughs> I mean, this this bottle is for bidding at auctions, but not maybe even displaying for a while, but not drinking, right? Okay, exactly. Well, that, that'd be our stance. That's like the story of Germany during during the days between the wars, when when Germany was in really bad shape, and it's all about the, what happens to a to a package of eggs, and at the very end, having finally got to into the hands of someone who actually wanted to eat the the, the eggs. He complained to the person who was trying selling them to him, and the person selling it to him said, "But these eggs, these were eggs were for selling. They were not for buying. When <laughs> they were not for eating, they were for buying and selling." <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's about it. Okay, um, ne- next next one, and this was this, this was I won't say it was a surprise, but it was a shocker. Know what to refrigerate. There are. Oh yeah, I've wondered about that too. Well, We've been doing it all wrong. The, that's why I'm asking the question, because I wanted to know the answer. And I didn't think you knew. We, we never I've, put the, I've, the refrigerator. There are uh, a few ingredients in cocktails that really do perform better once they're open if you do refrigerate them. And I'm, I would guess what you're thinking of is vermouth. Um, vermouth is a wine-based product. Um, and it once it's open, it starts to oxidize and it starts to um, those those delicate flavors that are all part of the vermouth they'll start to go flat and a, a good vermouth can last easily six months or perhaps more in the fridge um, and and if you've had a good bottle of vermouth you know open and out for a few weeks it's probably just fine the the real issue is um, if you open a bottle of dry vermouth in particular and then stick it in a warm liquor cabinet and leave it there for five years, which is the context in which plenty of people uh, encounter vermouth, it'll, it'll taste oxidized, and not in a good way. It'll taste stale. It'll, it'll, all the nuance in it will have gone flat. So something um, really fun to do if you do have vermouth on hand is go out and buy a bottle of the same vermouth, open it up, and taste it next to one that you haven't refrigerated, and you're likely to notice a difference. I'm running out of refrigerator space. <laughs> I keep the vodka in the refrigerator. <laughs> That's probably wrong too, huh? No, no. When I when when I get into reading the the balance of the this wonderful book, I I, I get into then some of the actual potable beverages that you're going to want to put in your cocktail, and and you have lots of them. Quite honestly, lots, lots of them I never even heard of. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. So, uh, what, what, what about some, some, some of the ones that you don't come across all that often? So I'm, I'm, I have the, I have the book open to the page that has spritzes in them, and you have a whole chapter and verse, I guess as well, of spritzes. Now, Absolutely. What's a, what's a, what's a spritzer? So a spritz is a drink that has some sort of um, aperitif or or similar liqueur with sparkling wine and a bit of soda. Um, And the derivation of the word is from um, the German word spritzen, um, which means a splash. So the initial spritz drinks um, in in Europe were local wine um, with a bit of soda added to them. And... Today, the the drink is essentially an evolution of that. So the Aperol Spritz is one that's become very, very popular um, internationally, really, in the last decade or so. And Aperol is a delicate, um, bittersweet, uh, beautifully red liqueur from uh, the north of Italy. And you combine it with sparkling wine and sparkling water, and it's just a a drinkable, low-proof, all-day sort of cocktail. and from there, we have lots of variations with different ingredients. No, it's it's morning. It's morning. Maybe it's the morning after. So you turn to the section called Bloody Marys, of which <laughs> there are quite a few pages. Oh wow, lots of them. Put 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 us put us in touch with the Bloody Mary as you understand and enjoy it. Absolutely, we think that 
let's see, if you go to some restaurants nowadays, they'll have clarified Bloody Marys and Bloody Marys with carrot juice and all sorts of things like that. We think that the essence of the drink really is tomato juice, horseradish, um, black pepper, those kind of strong, bold flavors. Um, but from there, we vary it quite a bit. We have a Bloody Mary with smoky mezcal. We have a Bloody Mary with um, sherry. And uh, one of John's specialties is what we call our uh, four-ingredient simple Bloody Mary mix, which is one of the best shortcuts in the book. And I'll let him explain that one. Go ahead, John. In our book, we made four uh, distinct Bloody Mary mix bases that then you can add uh, your alcohol to. We have our classic Bloody Mary mix. We made one with tomatillos. We made yeah, I one love that, that, by the way. I thought that I was great because we, we have tons of them, and I never know what to do with all these tomatillos. <laughs> we grow them. <laughs> well, you can drink them. <laughs> That's a great idea. Here's, here's one for you. It's a question, and if it's the answer being what it is, it might say, boy, we, we learned these people something. But Anne's, Anne's mother was an avid gardener, and one of the things she made, she was proudest of, was her garden tomato collection. Mm. One, one year she planted more than a, more than a hundred different plants, and we were to, totally inundated with freshly squeezed tomato juice. That's a great problem to have, I would say. Oh, well, well the, the, the reason that I was suggesting that I had something maybe you might be interested in, it would be to have exactly that, to, to have a Bloody Mary made with tomato juice which was freshly picked from your very garden. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it's, now, it's, just, it's just a different sensation altogether. Yeah. Now, how did you got, go around selecting what you believe to be the classic cocktails? With a lot of conversation. Um, we wanted to focus on about 25 of them, and some of them are quite obvious. You're not going to write a book about classic cocktails without the martini, the old-fashioned things like that. Mm -hmm. And from there, we wanted to focus on things that people really drink and they order when they go to bars and they'd be interested in making it home. So, for example, we have a whole chapter on eggnog, which isn't going to be in a classic cocktail book necessarily, but is something people love making for parties and drinking, especially right it? now, right around the holidays. Which, which one is it? Uh, eggnog. Oh, I know. Uh, oh. I've never had an eggnog that I liked ever. It's so heavy. Well, now you can. Yeah, because you lighten yours up. <laughs> you do. I was surprised at that, you know, that you, you included that. And which leads me to another question. When you, when you give, add variations to classics of any sort in food or drink uh, or anything else, I suppose, um, uh, Sometimes you're viewed as blasphemous. Do you have purists uh, writing you about some of the, the liberties you took with their classic cocktails? Not necessarily. I think, I think as in any profession, you will have sticklers for whatever they think the correct and the only correct way to make a cocktail is, and, and that's fine. Um, but... These days, um, if you go to a cocktail bar and you see a creative menu, a lot of the drinks on it will be renditions of classics. Um, it will be in the template of a Negroni or an Old Fashioned. So, and even if you read um, some older cocktail books from the, from the 40s, um, even from the late 19th century, a lot of the drinks are variations on other drinks. Um, mm -hmm. That's how a lot of classics emerge. So I, I would say that um, experimenting with classics is, is firmly in the tradition um, of even traditional bartending. You know, some, somebody, somebody who is as knowledgeable as you are, possibly even more so, because he was, he was from New Orleans and he lived there his whole life. But uh, what was I going to say? About the Sazerac. Oh, yes, yes. My, 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 my favorite drink, if you like, south of the border, happens to be a Sazerac, but 
but having ordered that lots and lots of times, somebody told me that in fact the original Sazerac used cognac rather than. Well, he uses cognac rather, in your, your rather, book, doesn't rather, you? rather than bourbon. Oh, he does. I didn't get to that page. Yeah, you 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 define that as cognac, right, in the book. Uh, originally, yes, because New Orleans was uh, a French colony. Exactly. I knew that so was they would have been drinking um, cognac. Right. So, so originally it was cognac, but when cognac got to be in short supply, this is the story we got. That's exactly that's, right. That's, 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 yes, the, that's, that's exactly it. right. That's now, okay. It's, it's, it so happens that my book fell open to a page headed up French 75. Oh, <laughs> my best friend got was getting married, and my mother, who's not much, was not much of a drinker, uh, decided that for her uh, shower, we were going to do a giant punch bowl of French seventy-five, <laughs> <laughs> no, which well, now, we did. Oh, no, hold on a minute. Let's 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 get things straight. What the hell is a French is a French seventy-five? <laughs> It's not an old Frenchman. Maybe it is. <laughs> no, it's not. The um, the 75 is actually named after the French 75 millimeter uh, cannon from World War One. Is where the name comes from. No oh, oh, I never knew that. And that drink, um, it, there's two there's two differing opinions on whether or not it was a cognac based drink first or it was a gin drink. Or perhaps the British soldiers were drinking it with cognac, but then got back to England and didn't have cognac, so they started making it with gin. But it's a, a spirit, a little bit of lemon, a little bit of sugar, and sparkling wine. You know, you have so many little tidbits about the history and development of um, these cocktails. That I mean, you, you learn a lot, the listeners. Uh, just reading through this book, even if you're not drinking at all. Um, I never knew the whole story behind uh, rum with the Cuban crisis and everything. But tell us Absolutely. a little bit about that. The, um, the, the 20th century history of rum could fill, I mean, it could fill entire books. There are entire books written about it. Um, but just like anything, cocktails get caught in, you know, the winds of history and commerce and trade and all of that. It's, no. it's fascinating. I mean, I don't know that it's ever really registered on me that all of this uh, rum we were buying, uh, supposedly uh, Cuban rum, wasn't Cuban at all. Uh, the U.S. cannot import anything from Cuba. Exactly, exactly. But, um, I mean, one of our favorite tricks is that in virtually every other nation you can. So if you uh, stop by a duty Free at you know exactly. Pedro or Charles de Gaulle, you can probably find Havana Club and bring it home. What can't won't they catch you bringing in? Um, currently, Americans are allowed to import up to two liters of uh, not import bring for personal use up to two liters of Cuban spirits. Last I checked, okay. so <laughs> as long as you're not uh, doing a secondhand business to bars in the area, you're probably safe. Now that's a relief. Now let's go on to the next. Paragraph. Buy these bottles. Remember, this is French seventy-five. So, so what? So what? What should I buy? You should buy London dry gin, such as Beefeaters. Exactly. For because this book focuses on classic cocktails, we tend to yes. like using pretty traditional representations of each got spirit. So a beef feeder will be lovely in a French 75, as will Tanqueray, as will Plymouth, which isn't technically London Dry, but in quite a similar style. Um, there's so many gins these days, and all of them have really distinct expressions. And one fun thing is to um, really learn what you like in your French 75. You know, you might, you might like a, a gin with a really different botanical profile, but our, our approach is to start with the classic. Um, and kind of go from there. So that's why we'd recommend uh, something like Beefeater. A thing we like to tell people about gin is that think of gin as flavored vodka. 
It's just not flavored with <laughs> vanilla. Cute. It's not flavored with oranges. It's flavored with juniper. It's flavored with lemon peel. It's flavored with anise root. Um, and each gin has its own recipe of what herbs and botanicals it's using uh, to make their, uh, their taste that's their brand. And you can really explore, this, for example, one brand's gin and tonic compared to another brand's gin and tonic are going to be very different. And then you can also, there's so many new tonics out there with different flavored tonics, you can really, really explore. Yeah, I mean, I'm always fascinated by these people that will only drink one kind of um, a tonic. Uh, and, and I mean, I knew somebody also who would only drink the old smaller bottle of Coca-Cola. I mean, how much <laughs> difference is there, really? I think everyone has their quirks. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I was pleased to discover, by the way, that you had the um, Nonino family in there, the Armaro. Uh, we, we happened to have known them for quite a long time. And, in fact, they did an entire lunch menu for us at, at their um, headquarters where instead of, there was only one course, the fish course, uh, was the only course that was paired with wine. The rest of it was paired with grappa. <laughs> mm. that's, a, that's a great friend to have. Uh, Nonino is just a, a spectacular product. Um, oh, well, they're, they're wonderful. The, the family is just wonderful. But, I mean, grappa, um, it, it's certainly much different. I went to uh, school in, in Florida, and the grappa, we, it was what we could afford as students, and it was like gasoline. And so they've really elevated the, the, the product itself. Um, but having it, I, I had to tell the, the server that I'm going to put my glass close to the edge of the table and you take it away if it, as if it were empty because you could, I don't know how you could go through an entire tasting menu with, paired with grappa. That's, that's intense. That's what I would call that. <laughs> I would be drinking a lot of water. The only thing is the, uh, I, I, I'm really sorry for the patron of the entire family. Because he doesn't get to, he doesn't, he doesn't really get to do anything. Yeah. Well, now tell tell me this. His daughter's um, just tell him exactly what to do and when to do it. Tell me this. Um, how did you did you rely a lot? Well, you you have a great deal of information about history and development, which is really valuable information for um, all my readers there. Um, but. How did you figure out, did you invent some of these twists basically yourself? Nearly all of them, absolutely. Yes. Um, John's you. background is very much in recipe development for all the bars and restaurants he's worked at. So there was, there was a lot of um, experimentation. There are a lot of uh, versions that didn't make it into the book, but we made many, many, many cocktails um, through the course <laughs> of this Yeah. Um, was there anything when you were researching your book that really surprised you? Let's see. What, what surprised us in researching the book? Um, I think just that even these pretty basic cocktails, there really are infinite variations, and there are new products coming to the market all the time, new ideas in the cocktail world, and so even in um, a cocktail that has pretty tight parameters, there's just so much you can do with them. I'll tell you something that really surprised me in the development of the recipes. Um, we were working on the eggnog chapter in July, and it was <laughs> 100 degrees out. And I was really surprised that eggnog, when it was really hot out, was quite refreshing. Really? Yes. I would never have guessed that. It was also quite filling, so I couldn't have that much of it. But right. a cold glass of eggnog when it was really hot, I thought to myself, oh, this is nice. <laughs> yeah, I would never think of it as refreshing. I always think of it as heavy. But I guess that's 
times when you get it at the holidays, it's probably pre-made and purchased that way anyhow, right? Exactly. And um, our recipe for fresh eggnog in the book, we have two different eggnog bases, um, and one of them you just make in the blender. You toss uh, eggs, sugar, heavy cream in the blender, whiz it all up, and you have eggnog pretty much instantly. And I think that sometimes people who don't like eggnog have usually had the store-bought version, which has a lot of stabilizers. It's often made with corn syrup. And I think gloppy is the word that comes to mind. It's just it's heavy. It's really heavy. Yeah, it's heavy, heavy. Um, and, Especially if you uh, put pair with what they usually put on the buffet for the holidays, some kind of icky casserole, <laughs> like cream of <laughs> mushroom soup, green beans. That's or exactly right. <laughs> yeah, we think um, good eggnog should, should be rich um, with all those flavors, but it doesn't have to be heavy. And it should right. be frothy. I was thinking, I was, frothy I was thinking you would... have air and, and lightness to it. I was thinking you might say a good egg... A good, a good egg nug no, no, is when it's been poured down the toilet. <laughs> no. He's serious about egg nugs. Uh, I'm being wicked today, I know. <laughs> well, give this one a try and let us know what you think. <laughs> right. Um, a, section, a, a paragraph I slipped by, and I, I just remembered it, is you, you spend quite a lot of time on making sure people are using the right glassware. Oh yeah, that that was an interesting give, chapter. Give, a, give, a, give us give us a little, give us our listeners a little guidance as to as to what you can do simply without spending a fortune. Get yourself the glass that's absolutely right for this particular cocktail. Absolutely. Um, if you are making a drink that is not going to have ice in it, so a drink that you're going to serve up. Um, traditionally it's in a stemmed glass. Um, that way your hand is not warming the drink as you sip it. So you can think of a martini glass there. We prefer to serve martinis in a classic coupe um, yeah. rather than the V-shaped glass. Um, and if you have a drink that you're going to serve with ice, um, a rocks glass, just a, you know, a, a short, short, wide glass is really what to serve that in. And you, you don't have to necessarily go to a specialty glassware store. You know, if you have wide juice glasses, that can serve as a rocks glass, for example. Um, but, you know, kind of having room for that ice and the drink over it is the key. As well as, you just, um, you just mentioned glass. what your next book is going to have to cover, by the way, <laughs> is uh, you, you, you need to get into all this, the juice stuff about ice. I mean, some bartenders I know... Um, have three different ice makers for their bar. And there's a we Japanese have four version. Ice makers in our home. The pardon? We have four different ice makers in our home. <laughs> do you really? We well, do. see that's your next book, isn't it? <laughs> we have to give a, a quick shout out um to our friend Camper English is sort of known as the the ice authority in the cocktail world. And he has a pretty recent book called The Ice Book, where if, if you want to get into the, if you really want to geek out about ice, if you want to get into the minutia of how uh, different ice shapes and clarity and all that can affect flavors, um, it, it's a great book. It's, it's for the, the What is it? Could you tell me again? It's, uh, it's called? just called The Ice Book. The Highly Ice recommended. Book. Ice Book. And, and who's the author? His name is Camper English. K-E-M. C-A-M-P-E-R. Oh, I have that wrong already. English, I can spell. <laughs> it's, it's a French make of shoes. Okay. Well, um, do you have cocktails every day? How did you research this book and stay, and stay upright? <laughs> I used to have cocktails every day, but my doctor told me to slow down. <laughs> <laughs> he really did. Huh? Well, I'll tell you, listeners, you may not want to have every one of these, um, and, and not want to have them all at once, but you're going to learn a lot and realize that there's a lot you don't know about um, this cocktail. In fact, the, the fact that... that Everyone associates cocktails with American, and in fact, there are just as many old world cocktails, aren't there? 
Absolutely. There's a lot that uh, traced a, a lot that traced their lineage back to England, um, plenty to the Caribbean, plenty to France, um, and Italy. And Italy, yeah. Yeah. Um, you have some reference there that I, I hardly ever encounter. Is I don't remember what context it was, but you have something where you use coconut water, and when I spent a lot of time in Central America, that's one of the drinks they always had. They had alcohol with coconut water, not in coconut cream, but coconut water, and just seemed to work very well. Absolutely, there there is nothing more refreshing than. Uh, chilled coconut water, um, preferably fresh from the coconut on a hot day. And it, and it does take well to mixing with many spirits. Right. Well, this has been a real um, exciting adventure for us, learning all about these cocktails and talking to you guys about it. And uh, I, I hope you keep us in mind when you get your next book published. <laughs> <laughs> we will. We absolutely will. Thank you so much. Good talking to you. Thank you.